Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. I had a momentary lapse of attention and wondered who I am. Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing here? Uh, anyway, I'm Jonathan Bradley, JB, or Jonathan Aubrey Strawberry, or uh, Johnny, or... I've uh, never heard you called Johnny in all my years I've known you. Really? My mother used to call me Johnny, um, and then she called me Jonathan when I was really bad. Um, and then my nickname amongst my friends is Bod. Yes. And, and most of our listeners will be too young to remember Bod on the telly. Um, and it was, uh, the, the show would start off with this little... And then I'd walk on with a little triangle dress on and a, a little round head and some red cheeks. And uh, when I was younger, I thought this was the truth. Bod actually was uh, the most uh, influential, most philosophical uh, person I'd ever met in my life on telly, as it were. Uh, and my friends were worried about me being so obsessed with it. And one day I went into the pub and they said, here comes Bod. And that nickname stuck. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, and um, enough of that. It was your birthday at the weekend. and It was. You're now um, catching up with me a tad. Uh, with yes. your age, you're getting older and older. I have to say my sister-in-law's birthday card to me said, uh, happy birthday, just to confirm I'm still younger than you, um, which was, you know, lovely words of inspiration um, from my sister-in-law there, which was lovely. I know it was lovely. I had a, I got a football table for my birthday, so I'm very happy. I've been after one of those for a long time. Um, I'm not sure uh, the uh, private equity firm and shareholders of the company that I work for will appreciate that being an executive toy in the office, but nonetheless... Um, it gives me moments to disconnect from the day. Well, I think, um, you know, if that's how you relax at work, I think that's a wonderful thing. When you play on it, do you have a fantasy football team that you're playing for, or is it just kind of completely just playing? It's just red, red, red people and blue people on the on the on the pitch. Yeah, there's 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 people who might be tempted to say Chelsea United or Arsenal, or Arsenal Everton. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just a red and blue players. Um, but no, it's it's and, and I'm not I'm not going to get possessive over being always reds or blues. I, I, whatever side I have to go to, it's fine. It's it's very you, inclusive. My 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 football table. You would be described by a friend of mine who I met in the pub yesterday as a flip flop fan. Try and say that after a few pints. Wow, a flip yeah, flop fan. A flip flop fan. So he supports uh, Liverpool. And Chelsea. And okay. so he supports two teams. Now, I've got friends who just think that's just outrageous. You've got yeah. to be affiliated to one team uh, or not. And they're the people that tell me I can't speak about football ever in their, <laughs> in their company, uh, which is very mean. It is. Uh, mainly because I had lunch with Aussie Ardelis once, uh, who obviously has um, come from the sort of Tottenham uh, Hotspurs, I think that's what you... Tottenham Hotspurs. 
Isn't that what it is? I don't well, know. I think I think it is, but I, I haven't. I think yeah. it's Spurs or Tottenham these days, isn't it? But oh, no. I don't know. I, in my day, it was Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, anyway, they're big, big Arsenal fans, and and Tottenham supporters and Arsenal fans don't generally get on that well. Mm. I, what do I know? I don't know anything about football, but that's why they're not. I'm not allowed to speak about it. That's why I use this podcast as my opportunity to get out my football issues. Now, what are we talking about today, and what we got on the um, on well, the on the roster? If I may, Mister Bradley, I'd yes. like to refer to oh, yes. um, a a Twitter thread that I think I forwarded to you. Oh, yeah. um, right. I'll, I'll read it out. It's fine. I just sent it to you on WhatsApp last week, saying, "Oh, this would be a good talking topic." Um, and I know some of our podcast listeners in leadership land. There is a listener question, by the way. If you've got leadership questions, please submit them. Globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com. Someone that listened to our last week's podcast messaged me to say, you do realize you didn't promote the email address for the first time. So uh, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or glp at seedle.com. Those questions come through to me and JB uh, to refer to. There is a listener question still in the bank that we didn't do last week. So I'll cover that one later. I will check again, see if there's anything new in the meantime. But first, um, lots of our podcast listeners I know work not necessarily in big multinational businesses, but you might be a small business owner or you work in an SME or indeed you're an entrepreneur or a founder of a company. Um, and this thread really struck me because I think it resonated with me as a kind of co-founder of a business. Um, and I and I, it resonated with me because I thought we must make sure that this doesn't happen. But I thought I'd read it out, JB, and we can have a conversation about it. I found it now, and just cool. to show that I am willing to participate in your text. Lovely. And so things. Christina Cordova on Twitter tweeted uh, on the 19th of January 22. A lot of early career startup employees are afraid of getting layered with more senior leaders hired above them. So when it happened to me, it took me a while to look back and understand from the founder CEO perspective, a quick thread on getting in speech marks layered. One, if you are an early career, low performing uh, employee, at a high growth startup, you're probably going to get layered or fired. <laughs> if you're a high performing employee at a high growth startup, you're probably going to get layered. Get comfortable with that view, she says, firstly. Next message. The decision has little to do with how well you're performing as an individual. It has everything to do with how well the business is performing. If a startup founder or CEO can attract and hire someone with more experience to help the business grow, and I'm going to add in the word quickly, close brackets, end of my inter interruption of her quote, they will. I highly encourage you to turn this into an opportunity to help the company find a new leader, future manager, who you believe you can learn from. The only thing worse than getting led is getting led with a terrible manager. So there is kind of two angles here. Number one, you're going to have to really fight if you want to get promoted quickly in a fast growth organization. And secondly, I do believe it's true that in a high growth startup business, if you then have the ability to bring in someone that you know that has a big black book of contacts, for example, or has got lots of experience in that sector, and you could bring them from an established business into your business, Clearly, they are going to be an attractive asset. But of course, what this tweet uh, is saying is that it's really important that if you're employed in either of these situations where you are, you know, an early, you know, relatively inexperienced employee or you are experienced, but you've been hired into a certain role and you are likely to get layered, as well as accepting it, you definitely need to shape the importance of what that layering needs to look like to manage you. 
or at least highlight the risks of hiring the wrong person to the founder or CEO before they perhaps make that decision without informing you first? Mr. Bradley. I found out about layering uh, at my uh, hair salon in uh, Ramsgate. It's called Obsessions, a little bit of a shout out there. And the lovely girl who used to do my hair would say, do you want some layering? And um, that was what I thought layering was until you came up with this. Um, it does make me think about uh, the resistance sometimes to have people come into an organisation who are more talented than Yao, you know, and it's a bit it's a bit um, scary if you're in a junior management position or middle management position and then some guru comes in with the big black book of contacts um, and he is probably quite charismatic and so on. Uh, I, I am talking from bitter experience here. Um, and seeing it as a, a negative thing rather than a yeah. positive thing and do you know what? I think it comes back to that kind of fixed mindset, dynamic mindset perspective where can, what can I learn from this? You know, good or bad, what can I learn from, from these layers? Uh, is, it, is it something that is a risk to my uh, position, to my career, to my learning opportunity? Mm. Or is it going to, good, good or, or otherwise, actually present itself as a bit of a, a learning opportunity for me in my next few years. Uh, and I, I can advise myself, you know, if I could advise myself uh, back 20, 30 years ago, where I was massively threatened by, um, you know, bigger, bigger fish coming in, my instant reaction uh, was to kick against when actually, uh, you know, in hindsight, I think I could have learned an awful lot more than I actually did. Hmm. I, I think... There is a challenge, isn't there? Because being attracted to a high growth startup is different to being attracted to a small business. Yeah. And I think as a leader in these businesses, if you happen to be in a business as a leader in a high growth startup, and you and me know of a couple of our clients who are high growth startups, we've got unicorns working with us at the moment, which is very exciting, for example. For the listener, and maybe we'd describe, I mean, I know what a unicorn looks like, but in the business perspective, what is a unicorn? So a unicorn, uh, thank you, a very good point, Mr. Bradley. A unicorn is a business that within eight years of it being founded is valued at one billion or more. Like your, like your company? Like Seedle will be one day, I'm sure, but we're, we're only, what, 18 months old? As, well, we're I hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we work on equity in it, haven't we? <laughs> So, um, so that's a unicorn is, is a, is a 1 billion valuation within eight years of a founding of it being registered and incorporated, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's a unicorn, but of course, um, these unicorns within eight years have gone from 10 or 15 employees to thousands of employees. In some cases, they're worth a fortune, even though they don't have that many employees, but my next door neighbor, he works for a unicorn. He started, he was employee 37. There's now 2,100, 2,200. But he came in at a management level because they wanted to do that layering from the beginning because they had loads of money behind them. But equally, there are businesses that perhaps bring in foot soldiers first. Yeah. And then as this person alludes to, builds in these layers. Now, for me, 
it, again, you know, I, I, so I've been fortunate that I've worked in startups and I've worked in established businesses. Some of the startups I've worked in have never intended to be a high growth business, but perhaps a lifestyle business. So when I talk about a lifestyle business in leadership and business speak, it's where the founder is basically looking to make themselves a nice monthly or annual income. Probably the business is never going to be sold on because actually it's all about financing his or her lifestyle. At the end of it, they might sell it on, but ultimately the value, most of the value in the business was perhaps either the staff that are within it or them themselves and their experience they bring to the table. Whereas the other form of startup are where it's founded by founders, entrepreneurs who have every aspiration to make themselves a unicorn within eight years, or they're founding that business and know full well that they have to remove themselves from it in other words, to make it sellable and valuable to a buyer of the company, it has to have value assets outside of it. And therefore, the strategy that businesses take will also depend on when they get their investment. So Seedle, we had what we call seed investment, ironically, or pre-seed, actually. Um, uh, I'm going through lots of terminology today, aren't I? And therefore, we took the strategic decision to hire foot soldiers at the beginning and have a very, um, uh, you know, we didn't have multi layers of management. Quite loose, um, yes, and flexible. Yeah, very, very loose and flexible. Um, but ultimately, the people that we hired either recognised they were managers of the future, and uh, they were hired, or they were a manager, but were told you're going to have to be a foot soldier first because the credibility for you is to be able to say, "I've done your job," and then you hire someone in to replace you. So I think what this person on the Twitter has said, I think very articulately, this Christina Cordova is that she is absolutely right. I think businesses that hire foot soldiers to be foot soldiers are then likely to get themselves divided and put further away from the CEO. Yeah. Now, an organization that you and me worked at, JB, with, with three, four years ago, mm -hmm. um, you and I both know that there are a number of people in that business that were in that business and have been for 20 years when it was 15 employees. Yeah. And now it's eight, 9,000 employees, and they've gone through various rounds of investment after investment after investment. And they're in a position where there are some people that are quite, quite begrudging of the fact that they've been, you know, eight or nine layered, layers um, yeah. because of managers yes. and they've been left behind. And I think, therefore, I, I really like Christina's point of view that you need to get used to this. But I also think there's a lesson for leaders and entrepreneurs to say you need to be conscious of this in your hiring of the foot soldiers. Um, are you so? So as you know, JB, I'm hiring people and being quite transparent with them to say, you know, what's your ambition? And that's a cheesy question, but we really mean what is your ambition? Do you want to be a people leader? Very very quickly, bless you, JB. Are you a people leader already? He muted himself, which is why you didn't hear it, dear listeners. Are you a people leader already and therefore you're willing to take a pay cut and come and be a foot soldier for six months so that you can't, you are not layered and so on. Um, and we've tried different things. As JB knows, I hired a leader towards the beginning um, and said to them, you know, take your gloves off, go and get your hands dirty for three months and then you can build the team around you. And guess what? They had forgotten how to be a foot soldier. So that didn't work out. And they're a lovely person still I'm in contact with them. But we've also hired foot soldiers that we believe have been able to take their gloves off and are ready to be promoted. But there are other foot soldiers that will be laid. Um, however, the one thing that I did with every founding employee at Seedle, as JB knows, is I said to them at the beginning, 
it doesn't matter what your job title is in three or four years time as a founding employee, these are the benefits of coming in now, which includes equity. And therefore, ironically, you might actually own more equity than your boss will own. It's all about the exit valuation. And actually, if we can help that share that you've inherited at the beginning be worth more at the exit by layering you, you shouldn't be protective about it. If Seedle gets acquired and I then need to report into someone, I do not care because I know that's exactly what's the right thing for the business. And I think that is the conversation that I think needs to be articulated to all employees. We've got two job vacancies on our website right now as we speak today. And obviously this is January 22. And both of them talk about there is an opportunity for you to grow as quickly as you want to. And that is true. But I also agree with the point that you need to be transparent with employees to say, you know, this is how it's going to go. This is the ambition in three years. Um, and you have a chance to go up that ladder or indeed stay where you are and make a really good living with it. But you need to understand that that is how these businesses work. So I think communication is key. So I think that so that does feed into something that I um, have been thinking about recently, which is this term groupthink. And this is where people uh, are layered underneath the, the leader and actually go into a very similar, pretty non-dynamic way of thinking. Um, there is only one way of thinking, and it is the leader's way of thinking. So they all go with it. Culturally, uh, they are stuck with the leader's thinking, and they don't challenge it. They don't, they don't um, challenge the leader's thinking. They all become part of that way of thinking. And I've noticed it in uh, bigger corporate organisations where the boards and the operation boards, they actually start sounding like the leader in, in their mannerisms, in their clothing, in their style. And this groupthink uh, can really damage uh, the reputation of a business, the profitability of the business. And, and a, a recent example, I think, is worth considering is Partygate. Um, you know, Boris Johnson, uh, and I, I won't go all political, but, you know, he has a particular style of leadership. And for whatever reason, uh, there were a whole, a whole load of parties going on uh, in number 10, and there seem to be more and more um, coming out every day. And this is to do with the fact that people didn't stand up and say, this is not okay. There might have been some emails flying around, of course, but they weren't taken seriously. So people weren't actually really challenging this. So they've got themselves into a complete mess. Um, and look what's happened to the reputation of the party running the UK right now. And it is a party by the looks of things at the time when, you know, the rest of us were entirely locked down. So layering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, layering. Um, I guess it could happen in government, couldn't it? You know, you, you get a party elected into government and all of a sudden those that helped them got there, then get put into civil servant roles, start stamping their feet, go and get their eyes tested 350 miles away from the, where they should be, quit, and then start shouting out about why, you know, what the layering was like, and now they're going to get back to the person that layered them. 
who yeah. Germany, I, I joke. But it's it's a really interesting perspective, isn't it? And I think the other thing we need to think about is that the, probably there is a huge number of our listeners out there that work in fast growth businesses, whether they are um, a startup or actually they're just in this next stage of very aggressive growth. And I've worked in, as JB knows, I've worked in two or three companies that are growing you know, very aggressively through M&A, mergers yeah. and acquisitions, not necessarily through organic growth. They're just buying up every piece of competition because that's how they're going to get their investment back for their investors. And with that, there is a huge risk of, of layering. So, for example, in the M&A space, maybe you work for a company that's got 50, 100 staff and this juggernaut organization comes along and says, yeah, I'm going to sweep that one up along with three others and you're all going to be acquired on the same day and you're going to be completed and all of a sudden, these, you know, these minus ones to the founder become minus five or sixes. And in fact, JB, you and I know that in some of the leadership programs we did, you, I'm, I'm, we'll be very careful to keep it anonymous, but Bogota, <laughs> oh. um, you, you and I did a leadership group of 18 people. And there, yeah. were, uh, there was one particular person who had been acquired two years previously um, in the Cayman Islands, I believe it was. Uh, he or she had sold their business to the parent company who we were running this program for. Um, and it was quite evident that they had been heavily layered. And actually, we were quite impressed at their caliber of communication, yeah. their leadership style, their coaching capabilities, because they had, by the way, they'd left a multinational business, took those lessons of corporate land, uh, had worked out how to scale things more efficiently and had built this business, 50, 60 staff, and had then been acquired, ironically, by a competitor of the company that they left those seven or eight years before they founded the company. So this situation had meant that this person, who was previously the chief executive or managing director of this small business, has now been layered. But of course, in the meantime, he's also waggling that 2 million euro check or 5 million, whatever the number was that he was or she was given in their hand thinking, do I give a shit? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't really have to work again, but they've asked me to stay on in the business for three years. And actually they're promising me at some point, I might well be up in the gods of this acquired organization. And, and, and they still retain all the contacts um, and could flip out of the business uh, after those three years. And startup all over again or join another little startup or whatever they want to do and me and jb know in this particular story we're telling <laughs> that's exactly what happened and this is where it's a risk isn't it these foot soldiers that you bring in at the beginning of a business um you know in theory are willing to follow you if you were to spin out and start up again what's that is that your pair of pants oh you're gonna sneeze again carry on I need to ramble. He's he's having some real problems with his sinuses, nostrils, and other things. Um, and actually, if you listen carefully, when he sneezes, he also farts. So that's why he mutes himself. He's not so fussed about the uh, um, the uh... anyway. So yeah, in this instance, you know, with the foot soldiers, we have a situation where if we're intending to sell out our business to a bigger company, we need to build such loyalty that they understand that I too, as the founder of this company, when we're acquired, may well be layered. Now, if you follow me, stick around for three years. We'll make some money in the exit when we sell the company. They'll ask you to stay. It's at your discretion then whether you want to stay in the bought business, the acquiring business, or maybe after a couple of years, we can go and do start something else again. Now, JB, you and I know <clears throat> that you and me are have worked together in corporate land, as has uh, me and Joe, who's another founder at Seedle. 
And um, the only person that hasn't worked with on the management team is, is our software guy. Um, but actually, the rest of us would probably stay quite loyal to each other, I suspect. I say that. At the end of the day, when we've had an exit, it really depends on the opportunity. So I think any leaders that are acquiring businesses or any leaders that are founding businesses, you have to make sure that your foot soldiers know what the vision is and understand the reality and make it okay. It's it, As long as you tell me I'm going to be layered, I guess that's what I knew. But I definitely agree with this Christina person who alludes to the fact that include the foot soldiers in the hiring of a manager. Don't install someone just on the fact that they might have a good black book or the experience. Just understand the risks of doing so on those foot soldiers. If they're aware so of often, it, so often doesn't happen. No, I agree. In 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 you know the experience of having conversations with other people and my own experience in that world um, and going through you know a huge redundancy rounds uh, of colleagues. Um, and then seeing new people coming in uh, who are going to be new layers on top when you've just seen a whole load of people leave the company. Uh, and if that, that conversation doesn't happen about where that leaves you and what your choices are and, you know, or even being involved in them uh, being recruited into the company, I think that that transparency is so important mm. and often isn't there. It's it's but I think the, the the reason I like this tweet so much is I think that the term layering as JB is is referred to earlier is something that we previously thought was only something in in the in the in the beautician area of or hair and beauty area of the world not in business but it's something that until it's explained in a simple term such as layering in, and in, in as Christina has alluded to in her in her tweet thread, it's a really powerful metaphor for the risk of losing foot soldiers or overlooking the foot soldiers or being aware of the importance of foot soldiers in the hiring process to understand that they are needing to understand that there is going to be layering in place. Um, and it's really interesting because as I think about this more in these big businesses, when I've been a new joiner in a business, it's probably I, I have layered people in businesses. So I've been stuck on top of a load of foot soldiers. In fact, actually, in one example, I was hired to lead, which included the nephew of the founder. Um, now, interestingly, as I found out months mm -hmm. later, the reason I was laying it between the founder is the founder actually didn't want to hire him. It was his brother that said, can you employ this person, please, in your business? And and actually wasn't that good. Um, and, and I look, you know, Awkward. But, but, <laughs> yes, but nonetheless, actually, I managed to work with with this individual quite nicely and built, built actually where he could feel he was adding value because actually it was harming his own confidence levels because he knew he was in the job because of a relative. Was, and actually yeah. it, 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 you know, and I think we hear too many stories of where um, relatives of employees just think they're Mr. Big or Mrs. Big Bananas because they 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 kind of were you know well my 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 dad or my uncle's the boss so don't mess with me. It was totally the opposite. Most people that I come across feel even more accountable because I don't want to embarrass my founding leader, boss, entrepreneur, and shame them because I'm only here because I'm a relative. Anyway, um, but but I certainly can think about times where. I've gone into businesses that have gone through fast growth and you go and talk to a foot soldier that's been layered. And if they've not had the communication, my goodness, the resentment's high. Yeah. 
my goodness, do they think actually, who are you to task me? I've been, I was here and they would name drop constantly. I was here when Fiona founded this business. I was employee number two. You show me some bloody respect. <laughs> and I think, and, and look, there, there are some situations where those people become quite cancerous and they're not, they're not, you know, this is where actually do we need to fire them with enthusiasm because we've led them so much and they've resented it. And maybe they're just difficult people. I don't know, but we have to recognize, and this is why in brackets, the Christina lady also refers to, or you fire them. And there is quite a lot of churn in startups because as the business evolves so quickly and rapidly, the responsibilities and needs of the business change. And therefore the responsibilities of the people within it need to change. And if it doesn't place someone's competency strengths, we need to tack into this direction. We need to change the, the, the headcount to do it. So, so big picture, and uh, you know, if you've got that going on, uh, and what? So you've got the big resignation, yes, um, going on at the same time. That that's one great big cluster thing. It is <laughs> uh, because you've got two two forces going on. You've got you've got layering, and you've got people deciding that this new world order is not for them and they're yeah. they're resigning where does that leave that situation i'm not sure they're intrinsically connected but it certainly goes into the influencing part doesn't it but equally jb i think i've been in situations and again i don't know this christina person i stumbled across her tweet was really interested by it and that's why we're talking about it now um i would like to understand um, from Christina's perspective, amongst others, how tempting it is to resign from a big established business because there are so many layers there that there is a particular process and procedure for me to get up in that food chain. Ironically, yeah. if I leave that company and go to a competitor that's in startup mode, I probably get slotted in at a management layer and all of a sudden, within two years, I've overtaken my counterpart, yeah. my, my, my boss and my boss's boss and my boss's boss and boss's boss, yeah. all of a sudden actually in hierarchy and credibility with clients and in the industry, because I've gone into that startup and there's less of us, I've floated to the top very quickly. And ironically, either they might come back to that company that I worked for five, six years ago, and I've jumped seven or eight layers versus yeah. where I would have done if I'd have stayed in the business. Because that big company might take over your little company that you were part of at yeah. a senior level and then you go back into the big company at a more senior level. We, we have experienced this. We've seen this before. And, and I also think, unfortunately, inter internal hiring policies also limit people's potential. I think too often, you know, well, actually, you know, I was their boss. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to report to them now. I'm not going to be leapfrogged. I think there's yeah. a lot of that going on as well. So I think that there, I mean, and I know in, in our old, one of our old radio groups we worked in, uh, the bigger one of the two, um, where I was overlooked for a job because um, the my old boss didn't want the fact that I would leapfrog them. Yeah, yeah. And they they went to the hiring team saying, no, no, no. Now, I, I hired them into this business two years ago. You really think I want to be reporting to them now? You want me to leave? Mm. Then hire them. You know, So, and I know the world has moved on from it, but I, I, I think, I still think it's the case that often, you know, I don't think I would have got to the job levels I was at in the professional services firms had I've not worked in fast growth businesses and floated up the layering because people well, you were me. you were you had an entrepreneurial spirit uh you i think you viewed all of these different moves in an, in an entrepreneurial way and i guess that means that your uh 
you're open to to learn, possibly exploit the situation, um, like and you know being honest about it, uh, and maybe a sideways move or a downwards move. Uh, you'd be thinking, what can I get out of this? And I think because that was your flexible view about life, I think you were able to whiz up through the through the ranks and through the layers because you had that open-minded view. You were going to get you weren't going to get caught up in personalities and groupthink and. Uh, well, we can't employ that person because they used to be so and so's boss. And, and actually, no. Where's the learning? Is there learning in this? Can we create some pretty cool learning from this person who came several layers down and is now going to be your boss? How how, how come that is anyway? Um, if that you know, there's something that's probably quite interesting about this, and I I I think I could do that now in you know, in my thirties. Stroke fifties. Um, uh, when I was younger, it would have been quite challenging to me. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe as you get older, you just become more, you know, flexible in the way you think about these things. I, it, it, my, my, my whole emphasis would be: what can I learn from this? Um, whether I've got five layers above me or two, you know, what's 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 the learning? It's an interesting conversation, isn't it, Mr. Bradley? Maybe I'm just a bit of a hippie these days. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and by the way, Christina Cordova, you can follow her on Twitter at CJC if you want to. Um, and yeah, maybe we should be asking her for advice, actually, because she's an angel investor and advisor to startups. Hey. Interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, interesting topic nonetheless. Um, Mr. Bradley, have you brought any topics to the table today, or do you want me to go to listener questions? Well, I was I was sort of just throwing groupthink in there as a mm. as a bit of a thing, um, and not to get caught up in you know big, strong, powerful leaders, um, charismatic leaders uh, who create these teams that don't are not able to to challenge upwards uh they get um stuck in groupthink they all think the same uh there is not uh, a diversity of thinking and i think we were talking a little bit about that in the last podcast uh about you know recruiting people at a board level and beyond uh where you're going to get a diversity of thinking and there are um investment companies and one is my uh, where i where i have my one pound 50 pension uh that actually only want to invest in organizations where the board uh, has a cognitive diversity and what that means is they are looking for the uh, different ways of thinking of the board members so that they don't get stuck in groupthink. And I just, now is the time, you know, when we've got so much change uh, and opportunities to grow uh, really good boards, really good teams, uh, to really have a think about the way people think. Uh, and actually, rather than just having the same old, same old, uh, and probably people like you or me uh, in, you know, 
constant sort of replication in our teams, let's let's think about diversity in our thinking, and and maybe in the recruitment uh, process of getting people on board. Uh, just see how they think. Really, really uh, use that focus in the interview. Get into their thinking. Not so much about what they've achieved. Uh, obviously, that's important. But how do they think? Where's their thinking on different subjects, like the subjects we talk about? You know, when when they're more, when we know that they're more aware of themselves, we know that they're more aware. Uh, of how others think, which is kind of where I would be asking questions, and also a really big understanding of how their organisation ticks, the relationship between the relationships, the missing the missing bits, the grit that makes the business work. What's their thinking? I'd want to ask lots of lots of questions around their thinking, uh, so that I could get a team full of diverse uh, full of diversity of thinking cognitive diversity that's my little bit about groupthink and cognitive diversity and um i think my take on jb's groupthink thinking is god try saying that after a beer or two uh, i've only had two coffees today <laughs> um is too much groupthink can debilitate the thinking of a company. I think it 100%. almost becomes bureaucratic. Um, and who were we talking about last week? I know we can't name them, but I'm trying to remember the conversation you and I had about actually groupthink is what killed the business. Mm. Ooh, I can't remember. Anyway, we were talking last week, uh, either you or I, I'm pretty sure it was you and I, because not many other people use groupthink, I suppose, in, the, in our circles. Um, where a company's group thinking had debilitated its ability to evolve because there was too much. Well, actually, they think this and, and they think that. Well, let's. Well, yeah, a good example back in 2005, 8, 2008, Enron, uh, that uh, ended up with, um, you know, a, a very powerful, stroke charismatic leader. Uh, and they couldn't they couldn't challenge it and they got absolutely stuck in a fixed mindset they thought that they would could walk on water uh they started um doing some stuff that was was criminal um and uh, made that normal made that culturally normal and that is a perfect example of where groupthink can allow uh for some fixed positions um, and in Enron's case, uh, obviously, uh, co around corrupt corruption of the organisation. People don't get mm. sued now, but uh, I, I don't think well, the, so. The, the, co the company's folded, so I don't yeah, think no, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I hope I hope I'm I'm on safe territory. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think we all have to be careful about this and go out of our way to encourage uh, different thinking. And you and I have talked about ground birds and sky birds and before um okay and, and that originates from a wonderful book uh called love birds which is designed to help couples in marriage difficulty now you will ask me why on earth have i got love birds because i have a very very strong and very happy relationship with my wife as you know 
Um, but I was doing some coaching with somebody uh, years ago, and uh, it was about uh, these differences of uh, big, broad picture view. You know, if we, if we use the metaphor of painting, uh, this person was actually much more big, broad brushstrokes, but nevertheless, actually really interesting and a great communicator and able to create these big pictures and these big visions, very creative person. Um, and so then they had this kind of eureka moment and actually said, this reminds me of a, of a book that I'm aware of. Um, and it, it was Lovebirds. And Lovebirds talks about skybirds having this broader view of the world, the bigger picture view, because they're up in the sky looking, looking at stuff. But they have this remarkable ability then to swoop down from on high, take um, their little mouse, uh, take it back to their nest, munch, munch through it, um, and then fly off again. Um, and then obviously, you know, you've got ground birds and the ground birds are so, so important. I'd, I'd never, ever take the piss out of ground birds because they are the people who are so focused on the actuality, on what needs to happen every day, the tasks and, and sewing it together, uh, weaving all the things that need to be woven through organisations and so on. Um, and... I, I love to recruit a board or a team based on skybirds and groundbirds, um, because obviously there are many different types of groundbirds who have different mm. jobs to do and many different skybirds who have many different jobs to do. I mean, like an owl, you know, it, it's, its head goes round and round and round. Um, and, you know, it's got incredible uh, hearing um, and... Also, and it makes a lovely little noise as well. But so I, I think this diversity, when we're recruiting teams and managing teams, we need to encourage that and really, really focus on people's thinking, uh, and and you know really get 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 them to go and be more aware about stuff uh, that's useful for the business. Send them off to to get some learning in and, and share it with the rest of the team. Uh, rather than just getting into that, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't, well, it is groupthink, but it's like um, stuckness, stuckness in a, in, a, in a way that we, we need to shake that out sometimes, I think, uh, particularly nowadays. I think we need to, there's no room left, is there, for, for that kind of old way of thinking? Like, we've got to get everyone back into the office. Bang. Well, that's black or white. There, I've, God, can't, the times I've spoken to people recently at senior management level and HR, an HR person shocked me to, to the core the other day um, by saying that, uh, you know, we've got to get everyone back into the office because the CEO uh, doesn't know where everyone is. They don't, they don't seem to be able to kind of focus in on uh, how to run the business anymore because they think everyone's at home and they don't know where they live and they don't know where they are. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that is where, – where's the problem here? Mm. Is the problem with the people <laughs> being apparently at home? And, you know, maybe the CEO thinks they're just kind of um, having a party or just doing the washing or, you know, not really focusing on the business. Um, so that kind of black and white view, 
I, I think that's really unhelpful. Yeah, yeah, it is. I went off oh, on one, didn't I? No, it's good. We've got time for a listener question, haven't we? Today? Oh, great, so, okay. We go for that. Uh, this one's come from a live audience member, um, and they ask, uh, initials TK, anonymous, um, with resignations becoming the 2022 headache, what advice can we can you give to people leaders to allow them to help mitigate? Well, so with resignations being the 2022 headache, what can we advise people leaders to do to mitigate? Well, <laughs> sometimes maybe maybe we we might not want to mitigate in some cases. Yeah. And so I think I think we've, it's a beautiful question that takes us full circle back to the beginning, which is for me, it's transparency. Uh, it's openness and honesty uh, and being clear about what the next year, the next six months, the next month actually looks like. Um, communicating, you know, that that dot on the horizon, like your business, and you know, that being clear about what that dot on the horizon looks like, where we are um, geared towards getting to that point, your part to play, uh, in that and how important your part is in getting us there. So the tasks that you perform every day enable us to hit this objective, which enables us, that once we've achieved that objective, to, to, to get to this vision, to get to this dot on the horizon. So I think that's all about communication. I think the other part is about really, really giving people a damn good listening to. Um, making sure that they have a voice. People leave when they don't feel they have a voice in an organisation anymore, where they feel they've lost their voice. They've been layered out of the business so much uh, that they can't be heard. They, they, they're not cared for anymore. And I, I, I'll just finish with that. Know me, focus me, value me. Uh, you know, we, we must know our people. They must know uh, you know, their task, their objectives, the vision, and how all of those are sewn together. Uh, that's the knowing. You know, they want to be known. Uh, we want to know them. They want to know that we know them. And we we then um, get some clarity and some focus, the focus me. Um, maybe uh, that might mean that you, if I was working for you, Ant, you would be focused on me focusing myself being the person I am, you wouldn't have to focus me that much. And if you did, I wouldn't like it much. I think you'd say, right, JB, here's the dot on the horizon. Here are the core objectives for the next 12 months. Uh, let me know how you're going to get those done. And I'd say, and absolutely fantastic. Here's my plan. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. So focus, focus, focus. Uh, that's the focus me and value me. You know, pretty much love me for what I do, uh, the uniqueness of me, the brilliance that I bring, um, and you know, know how to praise me uh, in 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 quietly uh, in in the the back office or out in front where I might need that. Yeah, he's brilliant um, or whatever. But if you feel that the person is not really um, cutting it and they don't need to be known, they don't need to be focused and they don't need to be valued anymore, that sounds ruthless, then, then that's a different situation. Maybe, maybe that little bit of churn needs to happen in your business 
because they don't fit in uh, with getting to that little dot on the horizon over the next two, five years or whatever that timescale happens to be. That's my penny's worth. Mm, I, I think there's not much to add there, if I'm totally honest. Um, I, I think JB's articulated well with the know me, focus me, value me piece. I think what's in all of our control is creating a compelling place to work. And I think that's why this know me, focus me, value me thing is so important. Um, it is in all of our gambit as a leader. It doesn't matter if we are the founder and the, uh, the, the ultimate boss or we are the people leader. If we create a, a culture where people want to stay and it really pains them to want to give it up, then actually you've done everything that you can do. I will accept a resignation, I suppose, from a member of my team if I know that they're going to a better place where there is better opportunity, so long as there's nothing else that we can do to stop them from leaving, mm. you know, and, and some things are non-negotiable. You know, if someone says to me, I need a 20 grand pay rise to stay really sorry, can't do that. Um, yeah. But let me tell you why I think it is worth staying. And, you know, at, at, at my old place, I worked in a professional services firm and obviously being a HR function, we could see all the data around people's, you know, pay. And it was very difficult, therefore, for me to make my people feel that they were treated fairly when they saw these astronomical pay rises going through the rest of the business. But the the poor cousin of HR and L&D was often left behind in terms of pay. So I had to constantly sell what we were trying to do to our people as an experience that means that then they're going to earn even more than taking this pay jump now. Stick around for another year and think about what those experiences will then give you an opportunity to do. And I think to a point in startup land, you know, bringing it full circle to our first conversation in today's podcast, I think in startup land, um, as we mentioned earlier, you have an opportunity in a startup to probably leapfrog all of your colleagues in your previous business that were in a very multi-layer bureaucratic organization and then probably overtake them on their career path. So that means in, in, you have a faster path to a higher paid job than you would do by taking some incremental steps in the middle that would get you there and take you longer. And ironically, if we're you know, it depends on what the motivations are, but I, I really think if the great resignations upon us, um, what is within all of our responsibilities, creating a great place to be. Now, the problem is I know for some of the leaders listening to this podcast, you don't have that luxury. You know, you work in a business where the culture is pretty toxic and you're creating this nice bubble, but actually people just don't want to work there. Um, you know, I don't believe in what we're trying to do. I don't enjoy it. The, ben the pay is rubbish and I love working for you, boss. You know, and on that case, I say, well, I'll take your resignation letter. But if there's any jobs for me to manage you in your future employer, do let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's a tricky one. And hopefully we've given you some thought. But I would say in a in a nutshell, JB says, know me, focus me, value me. Ask yourself, do your direct reports really feel known, focused and valued? If they do, and it's 10 out of 10, then hopefully that will do some de decent amounts of offsetting. Um, for me, um, just to compliment that, it's all about meaning, giving them an understanding of the bigger value of working. It's not just about the pay, if that's what the reason is for leaving. Um, and actually, what can they get from sticking around for six, nine months? And if there are things outside your control that take more time, it's about offsetting the short-term problems. I know it's going to be crap for the next three months. Bear with me. I hear what you're saying. Stick with me and I'll, I'll see you good. Um, if you if you can say that with some basis of, of truth. Um, so I just think, you know, you can buy yourself time. And by the way, that's why learning can be really powerful. You know, Seedle tends to win a lot of business where clients recognize they want people to stay for longer. If we put someone on a program that's going to happen in three months time and it's a really big program for them in their career development, guess what? It might put them off resigning for three months. 
doesn't mean they're going to stay beyond it, but it's given you three minutes, three months sorry, of breathing space to work out what you're going to do to keep them beyond it. There you go. What an interesting set of discussions we've had this week, Mr. Bradley. Well, I think we've covered um, layering. When did you last have layering? Uh, 1997. Um, last week? I think it was a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, and we've done a bit of groupthink. And we've done a bit of know me, focus me, value me. And I think all of those things are actually inextricably linked uh, in my view. I'd actually love to, to delve into those subjects uh, maybe a little bit more and find those links between those things. Um, I'd also like at some point uh, to start looking at uh, the future leaders uh, in organisations, and also this kind of worrying trend uh, of running out of young people, um, which I think is be beginning to happen. I think we used to have two and a half um, kids per family, and I think it's going down. I think it's gone down to about one point six now. Mm -hmm. You know, we 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 may well end up running out of of young people uh, for our futures. Uh, also. The old gits like me, uh, how do we create, uh, how, how do we, how good are we at accepting old get, gits like me uh, back into organisations later on in life? Uh, you know, how, how, how are people in their 50s and 60s deemed to be useful uh, in organisations these days? Uh, because, you know, we, 20, 30 years ago, uh, you'd be off going and picking up your pension. Um, but nowadays, uh, there's a lot of people in their 60s uh, who are looking for jobs in organisations. What's the view? What's the appetite for employing old gits like me? Hi. As in hi, not hello. Hi. As oh, I see. Um, well, well, you know, it's just. A, I, I mean, I don't. I, I'm basically unemployable now. Um, but um, <laughs> that's why I set your own company. Uh, no, I could no because I just you know I, I I've sort of done it. I've done corporate stuff. I've done startups, and I, you know, I I actually need to explore other other things like this. And um, just just kind of learning in my own way, writing books and courses and uh, having fun with you, Anne. Exactly. What does the week ahead look like for you, Mr. Bradley? Well, I'm working on one of my courses uh, and I had an absolute eureka moment last week uh, with one of my courses. I won't go into detail, but I had um, nine characters that I'm working on. And I couldn't quite make it work. I've now got 10. And it's just like pushing a boulder up a hill and then getting to the top and just feeling the damn boulder start rolling down the other way. And it was the 10th character in this uh, thing that I'm working on, which I think is fast, fast becoming book number two, but also a course uh, that I'm working on now. Uh, I, it is frying my brain once again. I don't know why I do it, but I'm I'm doing quite a lot of brain frying. But of course, I love it because it's creative and it's learning and it's, you know. So this week is nailing that even more, getting excited about coming to see you the following week. 
Yes, next week. And I will. I hope to be able to show you my ten characters. Oh. Uh, I, I'm I'm determined at some point to introduce some course names into our courses of people that we knew were useless from our past, um, and and then weave them in as as examples of what not to do. But we can only use their first names, so we can't identify them. But then wonder whether those people then realise we're doing it. Well, I will. I, I promise when I come to see you, I'm going to show you the 10 characters and you will identify uh, people from around the globe in these 10 characters. Very exciting. Mm. Well, um, that's it, ladies and gents. If you've got any listener questions, please do send them to us. Globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or you can email glp at seedle.com. They both come through to us and we will answer them in the very next opportunity, which, of course, is next week. You can also be in the live audience. If you're listening to this via a download, then you can absolutely uh, sign up to a future live event on Seedle.com, S-E-E-D-L.com. Sign up. Uh, it's free account, uh, and you can access Seedle for free. And you can also access our events, and you can then see our beautiful faces and ask us questions real time and get involved in conversations. It's been a quiet audience this week, though. Very quiet. And, and just before you go, uh, what are you up to this week? You got much on? Um, crazy week, actually. Uh, investment conversations. We're going through rather significant um, stuff at the moment. Our side, um, obviously, got recruitment going on. I've got some new clients going live next week, which we need to get on board and all sorted. Um, and then walking the dog to maintain my weight loss plan. I had my birthday weekend where I did put on a little bit more weight. And I know next week when I'm, I'm going to be hosting you for a couple of days, which inevitably will result in a couple of calories more than I would ordinarily have. <laughs> Mm. um yes well lovely i'm looking forward to that and and uh, we're doing a bit of work together this week i believe we are yeah let me have a look um we are on wednesday aren't we uh, yeah. yeah wednesday we've got two sessions on wednesday two sessions okay very exciting well uh, i've been anthony price i've been jb it's been a la- laugh and we're looking forward to our next layering bye-bye bye-bye